1: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google Play. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. We have that Indomitian Sue interview coming tomorrow. I wanted to give us ample time. We've been running these rookie orientations on Monday, and I wanted to give us ample time to, frankly, to promote it because it's it's pretty cool that Ndamukong Sue is going to be on the show and he's going to be on the show tomorrow. So that is what we're going to do tomorrow. Today, Uh, we are going to talk about a specific topic that I think has been percolating over the course of this offseason and really into the offseason program with OTAs, with mini camps. And that is, you know, I I think it extends beyond the number two receiver, but that's where the heart of it is. And, you know, we we talked a couple weeks ago about my views on the receivers and how this depth chart was going to play out and what was going to happen. Equinemius St. Brown and Jamon Moore and Jake Kumro and where were they going to slot in with Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Geronimo Allison. We know where Devontae Adams is going to slot in. And so I wanted to start this discussion about Valdez Scantling, And the reason I wanted to do that is because he has been drawing a ton of buzz. A ton of buzz. And and not even in a way that I am generally dubious of when we go through these offseason programs and and we hear about, oh, player X looks so good and blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. This is more than that. And 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 really the reason it's more than that is because we already saw it last year. We saw the flashes. And there were times when Valdez-Scantling was open and and Rodgers couldn't get him the ball for whatever reason. You know, Brian Baldinger did a, a really cool breakdown of some some MVS plays. And, yeah, he showed the deep shots. And and those are there. And we knew they would be there. This is a guy who is 6'2", 6'3", 210, 215, somewhere in there. We don't know exactly where he's going to check in when he when he gets to training camp. But he's a, a little bit of a slender guy, but he can run for 340. Okay, so this is what we saw last year. His ability to get down the field is legit, it's real and it's game changing. And he changed games at various points last year. The Packers were not able to take advantage of it consistently, in part because the play action game was kind of a mess, but also in part because Aaron Rodgers was hurt and because the Mike McCarthy offense was a mess and because MVS is a rookie and because Devontae Adams has to get his. The difference this year is that this offense is conducive to guys like MVS with his skill set having big seasons and being, if not focal points, prioritized secondary points in the offense because Devontae Adams is going to get 160 targets plus probably where do those other targets go you know there was a whole discussion in the offseason about oh you know the Packers need this they need that they need a receiver they need free agent pieces they need a free agent tight end they need a you know whatever there were a lot of discussions about this where do the Packers go to get secondary offense we know Aaron Rodgers we know Devontae Adams and I think a good way station for someone knowing football is whether or not they think Aaron Jones is a legit dude. And if they don't, chances are they probably don't know much about the game or they're a Bears fan. That's it. Those are the options. Because Aaron Jones is super legit. He's really, really, really good and has a chance to be you know one of the best running backs in the league and I, and I truly believe that and I have believed that really since his rookie season when I when I was like man this guy's really good i mean he's really good and and when he got hurt Jamal Williams came in and and gave them some good stuff he did some interesting things some good things but was never anywhere near what Aaron Jones was you know from from that Saints game on especially 2017 he breaks that big run off he made a couple great runs after that where he made guys miss in the hole and you're just going this guy's different he just runs different he's he's a special runner and and i was making the point then that he was the best pure runner on this team and and that was as someone who really respected and and appreciated the skill set that someone like Ty Montgomery had and felt like he could be a weapon, and he could do interesting things, and he could be a player on this team, and and an important one. Clearly, I was wrong about that. Uh, And now I think that maybe that would be different if Matt LaFleur were the coach last year, and you could have Ty Montgomery with Matt LaFleur. Because when you go back and you look at those LaFleur offenses, and we're going to get to this a little bit later, Deion Lewis was a big part of that passing game. But getting back to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, we know that this offense is predicated on those deep shots off play action. Devontae Adams is going to get his opportunities to be that player. And I I think we overstate the opportunities that someone like MVS is going to get in this offense, in part because Devontae Adams is going to get so many touches. I think we're going to see... Maybe not a rejuvenated Jimmy Graham, but but a Jimmy Graham that is utilized a little bit better, and we're going to see the running backs become a bigger part of this offense, and and that is certainly something we're going to get to in just a little bit. Mark Weisfeld, the scantling, what he did that 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 Baldy breakdown that I mentioned earlier in the show. The the key part of this is that he showed last year flashes. Of a player who can be more than just someone who runs, flies, and bang eights, and you know, these these shot play throws. He can do more than that. He did it against Darius Slay, for example. He did it in in second reaction situations with Aaron Rodgers, where he made himself available and Rodgers found him and, and contorted his body to make catches along the sidelines. Baldy compared him to Jordy Nelson. Now I'm not ready to go there yet. You know he's got to show a lot more than he did, but I I sort of mentioned this to Jason Hershorn. We were chatting as we do, and you know he he mentioned that you know if you go back and you look at what Jordy was 2011. That was his breakout season. Jordy Nelson was not the Jordy Nelson we remember him as in 2010. He was a young, uh, inconsistent player who had some big playability. We saw some of it. But he was also, I mean, remember, Jordy Nelson was a guy who early in his career, the Packers couldn't trust with kickoffs because he couldn't hold on to the ball. It's easy to forget some of that stuff now. But that was... Who Jordy Nelson was, and then Deshaun Jackson is tearing up the league, and it was sort of like, what happened here? Why did the whole league decide Deshaun Jackson was not the best receiver in this class? Why did the Rams take Donnie Avery over Deshaun Jackson? And then twenty eleven came, and it was like, oh. But when you look at this team now, and the way that they're set up, you know, I don't think the the target distribution. Is going to be exactly the same, but you look at that team, that 2011 team. They had Greg Jennings. Greg Jennings going into that 2011 season, it was clear that Donald Driver was no longer the guy. Greg Jennings had been that guy for a number of years already. So Greg Jennings certainly in 20 in 2009 and in 2010 was the guy. Okay, so then. You have James Jones, Donald Driver, Jordy Nelson, Jermichael Finley. Quite the group, no doubt. And you look at the roles that those players had on their teams. You had Greg Jennings as the number one guy. And although he did not statistically live up to that, he had some injuries. He had some other stuff going on. And Jordy Nelson really did emerge in 2011 and and really paved the way for the Packers to say, Hey, Greg Jennings, it's been real. Gotta go. And then by, you know, 2013, 2014, it became obvious Jordy Nelson was the dude. 2014 being the year that Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, you know, lit the league on fire, basically. You have a number one. Okay. So the Packers have a number one in Devontae Adams. We know he is going to be the clear number one. He is going to outpace the rest of the receivers in targets by a considerable margin. Okay. Now you have a veteran who is reliable and is still is still seeing you know, considerable targets. So if you want to pick Donald Driver or James Jones in this in this particular scenario, uh, you can pick either one. I, I did a little Twitter thread on this, and I, I compared Donald Driver to Geronimo Allison in this offense. A veteran that you just is as, as a possession guy at this point and you know what he is, and he's going to give you important catches when you need them. It's third and eight, and you need 12 yards, and he gets it for you. I mean, obviously, you need nine yards, but he might get you 12. That has value. That's Geronimo Allison. Okay. I think it's possible that if you give MVS that Jordy Nelson role, that big play role, and and I think it is it is oversimplifying it to say that Jordy Nelson was a deep threat only in 2011. That was when we got the full Jordy Nelson repertoire when he made that incredible catch along the sidelines to beat the Giants. I mean, we saw the full array of what ended up making him so special. The body control, the intelligence, the speed, the strength, the after-the-catch ability, the reliability, the route running, all that stuff. We haven't seen that full package from MVS. doesn't mean he doesn't have it. It just means we haven't seen it. Those are important designations to be made. But when you look at what the skill set is and what he could bring to this offense, and the last time we saw it hum on this level, we saw 2011 Jordy Nelson get down the field. Now in 2014, that was the the, the only other time that we've seen this offense at you know scary peak powers level except for run the table and even then there were some some fits and starts for this offense with Aaron Rodgers. It was because Jordy Nelson on any given play could take a pass, even a 6-yard slant to the house. MVS is starting to show that ability and like I said, the bandwagon it is filling up quickly. There there is a lot of buzz out there about Valdez scantling and I think rightfully so. Now he was not someone, I mean, we've talked about this a hundred times on this show. He was not someone that I think really anyone thought could be this useful in the passing game, maybe ever, but especially not as a rookie. I mean, my my editor at, at Acme Packing Company, the esteemed Evan Tex Western, was talking about, you know, MVS could be the next Jeff Janis. And this was before the Packers even drafted him and said, you know, look, he's got that that build. He's got that speed, that that size-speed ratio. And, you know, he could come in and be a special teams player, someone that, you know, gets fans excited, that, you know, can be your fourth or fifth receiver. I mean, this was, this was the profile of this guy. Not someone who's going to be your number two receiver. That's what he is this year. And I understand when the national media, who... In a lot of cases, they don't really watch tape. And they don't really dissect these games as closely as we do. You know, we we watch every game. We watch every snap. I watch every snap multiple times. I watch every snap multiple times from multiple angles. And so I saw what Marquez Valdez-Scantling did last year in a way that, you know, plenty of people on the national scale just didn't. And you saw Marquez Valdez Scantling, on a level that most national media members and even some other teams that don't that don't you know put the effort in, didn't see Marquez Valdez Scantling. You saw him in a way that not everyone sees him. I have to say that that I was going back and looking at some of these plays, very impressed and and sort of you know retroactively impressed. But that doesn't mean that, that his ascendance is assured. The Packers have to make sure that this offense has other players in it, other players that they can rely on. And we're going to talk about some of those things in just a second. But first, for the latest takes on NBA free agency, follow all of the Locked On Podcast Network hosts on one Twitter feed, at LockedOnNBANet. An awesome way to get all the latest opinions from the local experts during NBA free agency at LockedOnNBA.net.
2: Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
1: So when I made this comparison to 2011, I had someone on Twitter say, you know, okay, who's James Jones? And I went back and looked, and the numbers were were actually better than I, th- I remembered them being. Everyone ate in that offense. I mean, th- there was the famous Sports Illustrated cover. You know, you had your Michael Finley. You had James Jones, Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson. And it was like, oh, yeah, Randall Cobb was a rookie. And... I was thinking about it and I said, you know, I actually think that when you go back and look, there isn't a one to one analog receiver wise for all these guys. But I think you look at someone like Randall Cobb in 2011, he was an underutilized rookie who showed flashes. Okay, who is that going to be in? 2019 well they don't have a receiver like that could it be Jay Sternberger could he come in and flash in these moments give him these opportunities and because there are so many other capable players in this offense he doesn't get to get featured but we get a little glimpse we get to see it we get to see these little flashes these fireworks flash plays as we call them Could that happen? Yeah, I think it could. Now, is he going to get enough opportunities to do that? We're going to see. We don't know yet. We haven't really gotten a good read on what Jay Sternberger is going to do in this offense, where he's going to fit, and how many snaps, really, he's going to get. We just don't know yet. Uh, We we don't have enough time with the pads on to see all of that. Okay. We also have Matt LaFleur saying, I want to get the running backs more involved. And this is something he said pretty consistently over the course of the offseason. You go back and look at what he did in Tennessee early on. And and really for 8, 10, 12 weeks even, there was some consternation in Tennessee about why is Derrick Henry not playing more? Well, the reason was when Derrick Henry was on the field, everyone knew what the play was. It's a run. Because he couldn't do the other things. He couldn't do the things that Deion Lewis could do. He couldn't be beneficial in the passing game in the same way. And this is the argument that's been made against Sonny Michelle in New England and the argument that's been made against Jordan Howard in Chicago and obviously Jordan Howard to the point that he's not there anymore. Derrick Henry, apparently Matt LaFleur felt like for, for a lot of the season, he was a tell. If he was on the field, it was going to be a run. Because they didn't trust him to do the things that they needed him to do in the passing game. Well, that does not seem like that's what's going on with Aaron Jones. They want him to be involved in the passing game. They want him to be a factor here. So when you go back and look at 2011 and you say, okay, who are the analogs for those players? Well, I don't think all of those guys need to be receivers. And I don't think all those guys are going to be receivers. I think you're going to see Aaron Jones get a lot more opportunities in the passing game. I think you're going to see someone like Jay Sternberger, but but add in Mercedes Lewis, add in Jimmy Graham. Those guys are going to get a lot more opportunities in the passing game. Devontae Adams does not need 185 targets to make this offense work. There are a ton of other players who can be useful and successful in this offense, it's about finding ways to exploit mismatches in the best way that you can, and oftentimes that means using a running back, or a tight end, or a backup tight end, or a fullback. I think there's going to be a lot more Danny Vitale in this offense than there has been in years past, and you go back and look at some of those those you know 2011, 2000 teams. John Kuhn was a big part of the success. Of what they did running the ball, what they did throwing the ball, what they were able to do creativity wise. You know, Mike McCarthy, for all of the criticisms that, that we want to level against him, and I think, you know, plenty of them are fair. Um, you know, maybe not all of them, but plenty of them. John Kuhn was a part of this offense. And Matt Lafleur is gonna is gonna return to the roots of that a little bit. We're gonna see a lot more big personnel. We're gonna see a lot more two and even three tight end sets. We're gonna see a lot of two receiver sets. We're gonna see a lot of two running back sets, whether it's you know a running back and a fullback or just two running backs. And I welcome that change from a from a creativity standpoint, from an aesthetic standpoint, from a you know, an execution standpoint, as someone who has to cover this team every day, I welcome the opportunity to see something so different. And it is certainly something that Green Bay has shown they can be successful. And I don't think they needed to have added receivers to make this passing offense better because this particular offense with Matt LaFleur is going to feature passes to the running back. Oh my God, imagine that. Passes to the tight end. Oh my God, imagine that. That was not something we were used to seeing with Mike McCarthy. We're going to see those things with Matt LaFleur, and that spreads out the burden with everybody. It is not just incumbent upon your receivers to make those plays. It is not just incumbent upon Devontae Adams to make those plays. You're going to have more opportunities to get that kind of production from your players in the passing game and when you look at the teams that are successful offensively and that go far in the playoffs, the Chiefs, they have they have a huge part of their offense dedicated to their tight ends and running backs. The Patriots, no one throws more to the tight ends or running backs. The Saints love to throw to their, their running backs, especially if they had better tight ends. Let's be honest, they'd throw to them. So the best if the best offensive minds are doing a thing, the, the Eagles love to throw to their tight ends and to their backs. They've got three tight ends they can throw the ball to. They've got multiple running backs they can throw the ball to. The best offensive minds in the league understand the value of having base personnel that you can deploy in myriad ways. And if Green Bay can take that same sort of approach and apply it, and we think Aaron Jones, Jimmy Graham can be those complementary pieces to Devontae Adams, Then you add in the big playability of Marquez Valdez scaling. Suddenly, this offense has dimensions that we just hadn't previously seen before.
0: David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich, thanks to Dave's killer one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store
2: this episode is brought to you by Philips one by sonicare one up your brushing with Philips one This one is the ideal one for those who are still using an old-school manual toothbrush. To all those people, it's time to take your brushing one level up. The solution is a simple one. It's the perfect timing one. It's the long-lasting, battery-powered or USB-rechargeable one. The comes in multiple colors to match you one. The one with a subscription that delivers new brush heads for just $5. Your teeth deserve this one. Philips One by Sonicare one-up your brushing. Learn more at phillips.com one. That's P-H-I-L-I-P-S dot com slash O-N-E.
1: All right, we're going to be back tomorrow with that Endomicon Sue interview, and that is one you're not going to want to miss. Uh, he is a ginormous human, he is just as big as he looks on TV, if not bigger. And it was interesting to talk to him. This was also before the draft, the same time as Darius Slay. And it seems like people really—I uh, got a lot of good feedback on the Darius Slay interview. So I wanted to get this Dendomic and Sue interview out ASAP. You know, some good stuff in there. I know that he is, you know, persona non grata in a lot of Packer circles for what you know the the altercations between him and and Packers offensive linemen but you know he you know maybe i think you'll be surprised i do think you'll be surprised not even maybe i do think you'll be surprised with what happens in that interview and and the things that he says about going against green bay so keep an eye out for that that's coming tomorrow the rest of the week we're going to be here and you know it is uh it's training camp time we are th- basically 3 weeks away and the 3 weeks is It's a short time, but it's also a long time, uh, and I understand that. And it's it's, uh, the countdown to football. Real football can be monotonous. I I don't track it to week one because certainly for my job, the real football doesn't start in week one, but I don't even think in practice the real football only starts in week one. I think if you look at what goes on in training camp, there's a lot we can learn there. And we can continue to to evolve our thinking about what's going on with the Packers, what's going on with their depth chart, what's going on with their roster. And I've been saying all offseason, do not get bogged down in what's going on with this offense, especially in week one, because by week six, it is going to look different. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnPackers. Subscribe to us on iTunes, on Spotify. On Google Play, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, got a lot of good questions in the last couple days. We're going to get to a Q&A show later in the week. Anytime you want to be a part of that, you can do that. Hit me up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.